Hello and welcome to the Activist Podcast, brought to you by Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. I'm your host, Gareth Skur, and I'll also be joined by my wonderful co-host and wife, Jackie Norman. In this episode, we have the insightful Claire Smith. In this interview, we delve into the world of financial activism and how you can vote for a vegan world with the way you invest. Claire is a brilliant guide into this world and has helped pave the way for the vegan economy. We hope you learn as much as we did from this episode and be sure to check us out on our social media pages at VeganFTA on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube where you can also find the series in video format. Vegan FTA partners with Beyond Animal and one of the people we most look up to, I have to say, in the vegan movement. It is such a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. Lovely to meet you both. Having been meat-free for 40 years and a vegan for over 20, you've brought the animals and also environmentalism to the fore across all aspects of your life, including your work in the financial sector. Um, we're curious to know what your why is and what drew you to advocating for the animals and the planet? I mean, it all really started with um, vegetarianism, which um, I, I went vegetarian in the, in the 1970s, in fact. Um, and there it was, it was really all about the animals, the whole kind of climate sustainability arguments that people talk about. And even really health wasn't so much of an argument at that point in time. Um, there were sort of indications that it might be good for your health, but uh, but that wasn't the, the, the reason. The main thing that for me, it was all about the animals. Um, and the reason that, and, and what provoked me at that time was very much the um, the rise in factory farming, which uh, I came to, to know about. Well, even actually regular farming, I didn't feel so comfortable when I went to visit um, a French pen friend. Um, I wasn't so thrilled to, to find during the course of my visit one, you know, one of the rabbits that had been in a hutch suddenly appear on the table, and likewise uh, a, a, one of the cockerels that was running around outside um, while I was uh, while I was there. So I felt very uncomfortable with that and started to look into alternatives. And then I became very aware of factory farming, which was increasing in in um, in the UK at that time. It was really being introduced and being rolled out and you know, the farming was becoming much more intensive and the animals' lives were, were being kind of curtailed and put into sort of small, you know, the cages or the crates or whatever was coming in. Um, and that I just felt super uncomfortable about. So I then did research as to how you could go vegetarian and whether it was going to still be a healthy lifestyle. So it was more just checking. And then I went vegetarian. And then the veganism really kind of came out of that through more investigation of the situation of dairy um, cows, you know, obviously, you know, not being able to be sure that, that uh, you know, chickens were well looked after in terms of uh, eggs, but um, even, you know, obviously we all know why eggs are bad, even if the chickens are, are looked after. Um, and, uh, and, and so I built that into my lifestyle with my, with my eating and then eventually I would realize that I'd kind of done everything I could in my lifestyle, in my personal life, to be as, you know, animal friendly and as, as sort of sustainable as I could be. You know, the I had solar panels on the roof. I had a Tesla in the garage. I sorted out my, you know, my, my, my waste. I, I was kind of doing as much as I could. And then I sort of sat there and thought, what am I doing sitting here for 10 hours a day writing about, um, you know, hedge funds, actually it was. Um, 
and and that's not that's not doing anything for the planet shouldn't i focus my attention and my expertise and and my brain power as it were on you know making making the world well, you know a better place but the world that i wanted to to live in and how could i how could i um you know how could how could i use my talents or whatever or experience in that direction and that's how it, it came so it was really over the last I don't know five six years of my professional life that I, I, I really came to, 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 to realize that I was wasting um, what time I had left and also you know my brain power by just sort of focusing on you know a group of uh, you know investment funds which were kind of designed to make rich people richer whereas I could be um, you know focusing that time and attention on um, a means of running investments which was going to make for a better world that's absolutely fantastic i love hearing that and i'm so glad that you did because uh really look forward to talking about it in this interview further how you're helping and um how we can all be a part of that too and um it's absolutely yeah. wonderful it's an interesting point you make actually because i grew up in the uk and um went vegetarian in the 80s and it's so true. When I went vegetarian, it was when I found out about vivisection and that kind of thing. And, and, yeah. um, and when you went vegetarian, just like you say in the UK, um, it was about the animals. There was no kind of what vegetarian are you? What kind? Not like we get, you know, what yeah. type of vegan are you? It was really interesting. That was it. It began and ended with the animals. So, yeah, it's a really interesting point and um, brought back a few, mem few memories of, of me when I went vegetarian. But um, there seems to be a, a common misconception within the vegan movement that our passion alone can fuel us in the pursuit of animal liberation. And um, in reality, funding is a crucial element in order to campaign to our full effect and create the world that we wish to see. As a financial industry veteran, you've gone on to align your work with your ethics in creating multiple companies to help build and guide the plant-based economy. As firm believers, believers, sorry, as firm believers in the expression "vote with your wallet," would you agree that this is an important philosophy for anyone wanting a more ethical and sustainable world? Um, yes, um, it, it, that's the short answer. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> the the importance of people's wallets cannot be understated um and i think the key thing that that maybe animal rights um i i, I won't i don't want to criticize it in any way because it's obviously coming from the right angle but thinking that you can purely persuade people um to change their habits maybe of a lifetime change everything that they maybe like doing like eating like wearing whatever just through thinking about the animals i mean it works for some of us clearly but it's not going to work for for a majority of people and and that's basically borne out by the statistics up to this point um and the other thing to be very aware of is that animal exploitation is a business it's a commercial activity and we have to break that link between animals and making money out of animals and and th this is where um it's it's uh, uh you know this was some really something that kind of uh, hit me in terms of the design of the investment pro products and also the investment that i'm doing in terms of in 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 new new products which are animal free is that um it's almost like you have to make the business of not harming animals as profitable as the businesses or even more profitable than the businesses of harming animals 
and it's I'm sad that's the way the world works. I'm sad that the world is as mercenary as that. But at the end of the day, it is the economy, and we all we are all part of that economy. We can't deal with the issue of harming animals by overturning capitalism. That's like you're trying to take on something way, way, way too big. You know, that's you know, we, we you know, the animals would wait a long time, I think, before we would we would manage to do that, even though you know there's there's obviously a lot of things which are which are which are wrong with kind of capitalism and un, unbridled capitalism like we like we have today we have to you know we have to sort of figure out a way to as i said make it more attractive in all ways to be not using animals and that is important from the perspective of the things that people consume so the things that people are using animals for in their consumption etc we have to find more attractive alternatives because then they'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll switch to that. The whole problem with veganism for the last, I don't know, well, since forever, but, you know, everything that people have spoken to me about, you know, oh, why am I vegan? Why am I vegetarian? And why was I, you know, why was I vegan? And it's like, oh, what do you eat? You know, oh, don't you feel deprived? It was all about deprivation. And we have to turn that on its head and say, no. If you're vegan, you can have all these wonderful things that don't need to have animal products in them um, any anymore. Um, and and the way that that will grow is, as I said, by people realizing, well, by some people who are motivated more in this direction, realizing that it can be a more profitable business. And actually, I wouldn't say it's easy to make it a more profitable business, but if, P, if investors see a demand for a product and they see that the company is going to have revenues and growing revenues, revenues growing really quite fast, they will invest in that, in that company making, making that product. If they see that a company lists on the stock price and their price, the price of their stock doubles or triples in the first few days, they will be motivated to put money into not just that company, but other companies of, of that type. Um, and the reality is that the business of harming animals is not actually profitable. Most, you know, enormous amounts of subsidies go into it in order to, you know, keep the milk industry running and, and um, you know, and, and, and other, um, you know, subsidies across largely it's dairy, but in, in other areas as well. I think about 35% of the U.S. subsidies goes into, into dairy or 35 million out of 90 million, it's something like that, but a billion, sorry. And, and so we, ha we have the opportunity through using money to get to that world where the animals are not being exploited simply by showing that using animals is not sustainable, not good for the animals, not good for us, whatever, but it's also not profitable. And we can be much more profitable and have a much better world by not using animals and using and creating other, you know, better, more sustainable materials and food. That's a wonderful insight. I love that. Mm. And um, that's why here at Vegan FTA, we're so all about trying to get activism across the board, not just our frontline outreach sort of activists. We want financial activists, hospitality activists, creative activists, because we all have our different specialties and we can all help push the board a lot faster together in our own way. And um, have, for you, having been able to combine your philosophical beliefs with your work is something I believe all vegans strive for. 
Um, having achieved that, what was it like to break away from the mainstream investors and dedicate yourself to ethical investing? Were there any fears at the beginning that maybe the plant-based sector wouldn't be enough? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, when I actually, I remember the last time that I saw my colleagues, which was uh, in 2017, my former colleagues, and I, um, I'd i been speaking within the firm about um you know, ethical investing in, in the generality without telling anybody really what specifics that I was, was looking into. And had I stayed within that, that firm and had they been kind of open to these ideas, I would have introduced it maybe slowly, but I would have probably been involved more looking at other types of kind of ethical investing or ESG, as they call it, environmental social governance, which is kind of building in responsible investing, environmentally friendly thinking about social aspects like, you know, women in the workforce, you know, people of color, wage gaps between the, the top and the bottom, um, you know, in the company, etc. So there's a much bigger sort of area of, of ethical or ESG investing that I could have explored within that company without going into into the, 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 the vegan investing. But I really felt as if I needed to do it. And there was no other option than to strike out on my own. There was no vegan investment firm. I created the first vegan investment firm. So from that perspective, you know, if I wanted to explore that, there was nowhere else for me to go. And I, I really didn't feel as if any other investment firm that was not, you know, hadn't got this kind of vegan in, in embedded within it was, was going to suddenly start thinking about doing this. Um, you know, it, it, what, what, what I decided to do was to do something quite sort of emblematic, as it were, and, and, say, and, and, and say, how can we do this? Let's create an index. Let's create a, 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 a you know an investment product. Let's put it on the largest stock exchange in the world. It was very important to me that it had that it had to sort of like re kind of out there and really kind of make people think. So besides being a the idea obviously being an investment product that would get to a certain level of assets and would be you know profitable in its own right. And at the moment, it's it's finally more than covering its its expenses. It's been a bit of a road the last you know year or so to get it to that point but we have gathered you know we have enough assets now for it to be covering covering the cost but it was so important to me to really kind of put it out there that you can create an investment product which embeds all of these principles about avoiding the use of animals and because of that we actually take out over a third of the stocks in the market just from the animal exploitation screens um, and, and that, to me, is is quite horrific, that a third of the stocks in the market are relying on the use of animals for them profiting from the use of animals. You know, is that an acceptable source of investment returns? I don't think it is. Um, so, so, yeah, I kind of really had to strike out of my own. Was I fearful? Yes. The last time I saw my colleagues, it was at a, an, an, an event and they kindly invited me. I was kind of within my notice period. They said, oh, you know, you have to come back and say goodbye to the team and everything. And we had a great old party. And um, I didn't even say to them that I was going to be doing vegan investing because I kind of knew that I would get this kind of blank stare. I said, yes, I've got my own ideas as to what I'm going to do in the ethical investing space. Wait and see. Watch this space kind of thing. Because even then, I just thought I would get I don't know, ridiculed, maybe. I think they would just not understand. And it wasn't until I sort of got started, we released the index, and people were kind of like, oh, that's interesting. 
um, and uh, and also, you know, talking about the different um, investments that I was making in um, animal-free alternatives. That I started to sort of people started to come to me. So I, in that respect, I haven't had to do very much kind of marketing in that sense, um, you know, for people to be interested in what I'm doing. It's, so inspiring. Yeah, I love that. It's amazing. It's a, it's an awesome story, you know. And um, as Gareth said at the start, you know, you've you've been vegetarian and vegan for decades. You've been involved in in finance for for decades, and just have so much knowledge that you're just doing amazing things with. We often speak to activists about how they've seen societal shifts um, change their area of advocacy. How's the financial sector changed since your early dives into vegan business? Oh, I mean, it's it's unbelievable the 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 way things have changed. Um, I mean, just to give you an idea, um, in 2017, I met up in a room with basically all the people who were putting money into vegan businesses at that point, all the people who were investing, or or you know the main people. I won't say you know everybody, but but the the people who were the most active and particularly those that were the most up on. The, the kind of food tech angle, so the techno technological aspects of, of, of um, I say, sort of improving vegan food to the extent that it would be acceptable to non-vegans, let's say. Um, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, the different techniques that would allow the synthesizing of the precise proteins which come from animals without the use of animals. So that, I think, is kind of, at that point, was pretty kind of groundbreaking um, work. Um, and, you know, I'm very pleased to say that I, you know, was able to put some money into um, some companies around about that time period. Um, and those companies are getting great traction and have gone on to, to raise quite a bit more money from much larger investors than, 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 than I am. Um, but um, I think that's, 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 it shows you kind of how, how much things have changed because that was maybe 30 people in a room. And then I went to a conference run um, which had about 700 people in two, 2019. And that was kind of like the equivalent group, but it had gone up, well, more than 100 times, 200 times in terms of the amount of interest that there was in, in this area. Um, I was speaking to another conf uh, conference organizer earlier today, and uh, they've actually now rebranded, and the next conference is, is going to be all about alternative proteins. Um, uh, whereas before it was, you know, more of a sort of general sort of food and food tech kind of um, conference. So, um, you know, and they're expecting to have like 1,500 people, 2,000 people, you know, attend virtually. And, and, I, I've, and so I think things have really motored forward in a way that none of us ever really and anticipated um, and it, it, really, it really seems to have struck a chord with with quite a lot of investors um, um, from sort of large to 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 small and the thing that I'm particularly happy about is that um, you know there are certain um, funds there are certain amounts of money which are being raised which we couldn't even conceived of a few years ago but even if they had been raised they wouldn't have been able to be put to work so what it shows to me is that the companies are growing and so they are able to raise larger and larger amounts of capital, which means that they are able to grow even larger and larger, if you sort of mean. So it becomes a very kind of virtual circle. Once people see growth, they want to sort of, 
you know, jump on that bandwagon, I guess. But um, there are some investors that unless something is of a certain size, they can't get involved because they're too big and they can't get involved unless they can put larger amounts of money to work. And the fact that those investors are coming in is 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 a very a very good thing because it actually takes a lot to persuade those investors to to you know to 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 to, to come in there. You know, there are things like sovereign wealth, um, pensions, those kind of investors that are very slow, very cautious. But the fact that they're coming in now is is definitely, um, you know, it definitely shows how how things have progressed in a very very short period of time. Well, that's fantastic! So so exciting to yeah, hear that. Very, and, um, very I know uh, further in this interview, we're going to talk about a event um, held by Beyond Animal and uh, co-hosted with. Uh, Pro Veg International, so I look forward to talking more about that. Yeah. But they're realizing oh. vegan is the future. That is the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that I think it's fabulous how be, veganism is 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 being is being perceived so much as the way forward, and and it is it is the answer to so many um, pro, uh, of our of our problems, um, and that's something that I will be releasing in the next few uh, weeks. I hope Touchwood. Um, I'll be going live with a, um, you know, a website for the foundation, which, uh, which I've created, which is a super small foundation. Um, um, but uh, it's, it's where I want to do campaigning of this type, which is not really kind of suitable for a business, but campaigns around the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals around, um, you know, artistic projects around veganism, around... Um, also creating you know a sort of gold standard in terms of a vegan business that's another thing that um that uh, that will be on that 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 site um and um you know in in terms of of, of really creating global campaigns um you know to 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 promote veganism um and and to really show that it is the answer to so many of our of our problems both in the environment, in society, and and in the economy, because animal exploitation is actually dragging down the economy. It's stopping, um, you know, it's 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 it's, you know, creating a lot of um, uh, problems which then have to be addressed and which are sucking money out of the economy. Yeah, it's um, well, that, that's something else to get incredibly excited yeah. about. But um, yeah, we know all too well with the. Uh, the subsidies, especially out here in New Zealand, the amount of money that they pay for dairy farmers not to pollute our lakes is is ridiculous. They, they spend more on trying to get them not to pollute as they do um, well, as much as they even make in the industry. Mm. So um, absolute farcical what goes on with that. But before we get into the uh, nitty gritty of this discussion, um, for people like ourselves who are fish out of water in the financial uh, industry and uh, for many of our viewers, I was wondering if you could explain a couple of uh, basic jargon terms when it comes to these discussions, um, in particular things like the S&P 500. Uh, we've already covered ESG and um, IP as well. Okay, so um, the S&P 500 is, is an index um, of the largest 500 stocks in the US. So the US is the largest stock market in the world. It's about 50% by market capitalization. Market capitalization is basically the value of each stock is its market capitalization. And then if, if you look at the whole market, that's all of the stocks all added together, let's say. And so the US is the largest market um, in terms of the aggregate value of all the stocks in that market. And the S&P 500 index is 
basically the aggregate of the top 500 stocks. Um, and so they basically add the value of that stocks, those stocks together, divide by well, a divisor, just to bring it down to a sort of more normal number, let's say, as opposed to trillions. Um, and, and then that's what you watch if you, if you look at a Bloomberg or CNBC or one of those types of, um, you know, um, media outlets, you know, and they will quote you, they will say, oh, the S&P is up this much today or down this much. And it's basically just the value of this index. So it's monitoring this, the value of the kind of average stock in the, um, you know, in that large cap index um, over time. And so what it is, it's called a benchmark for the, for the market, because if you think of that in terms of the sort of your default, if you were going to go into a, a market, you, you know, the, the sort of benchmark has to be something that is effectively buying all the stocks in the market. So it's considered to be a market benchmark because the way that the S&P behaves is a very good proxy for how the whole market is behaving because it is the top stocks in the market, which are the map, the, the, the vast, vast majority of the market capitalization. Um, and then IP, did I say IP? Intellectual property. Oh, this is what I thought it was. Yay. <laughs> IP is, is uh, intellectual property. So um, that's very important when you start looking at, um, you know, some of the, the new companies, the startups in this space that are exploiting IP. So they have some piece of science or some piece of technology that are, they are able to create um, some proteins or they found some new way to turn plant plants into a, you know, kind of uh, a meat alternative or into a dairy alternative or, or whatever. Um, and uh, or they're using algae, for example, I've got a couple of companies in, in the algae space that have got patents. Um, and so there's, there's, there's that, there's IP can be either patents, which you register, or IP can be trade secrets. But either way, IP is intellectual property. It's something that you know that other people don't know. And so you can actually turn that into a commercial product. And it gives you your business value, because what that provides you is not just the ability to create that product, but the fact that other people don't know how to create that product means that you have a sort of dispensable um, business let's say you have a motor, it's called a moat around your business, which means that other people find it harder to take market share from you because they can't create the same product as you because you have the know-how. Oh, wow. Thank you for those. Yes. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. So uh, it's great. Thank you. Um, and we sort of touched on this uh, briefly, but a landmark of your work within the plant-based investment sector has been the creation of, of Beyond Investing. Can you tell us a little about Beyond Investing and its role in creating a vegan world? Yes. Okay. So Beyond Investing um, is is made up of, um, well, some companies that I'm kind of connected to, let's say, but I have other people who are partners with me in those in those businesses. Um, and, uh, and the reason that it's a few different businesses is because they're focused on specific areas of the market. So um, in terms of um, the public equities, so public equities is listed equities, the ones that trade on the stock exchange. And, um, you know, and so their prices are available, you know, there's information about those companies and they make up, you know, as I said, these, you know, stock indexes that everybody watches. So we wanted to create um, alternatives, vegan inspired alternatives, vegan friendly alternatives to the typical investment fund and to the typical index fund, because an index fund is owning, as I said, all the stocks in the market or the largest stocks in the market, but they're not 
screening them in any way. They're not saying, do we want to own this stock? Do we not want to own this stock? They're just owning everything because it's there and it's big. You know, that's the, you know, an index fund is basically just owning stocks on two, on those two criteria. And we decided we wanted to do something different to really con consider um, how we could screen out these kind of damaging aspects of, of traditional indexes. So I joined together with um, two, uh, two guys um, who are both very established financial industry veterans, um, one of whom is a uh, portfolio manager. He runs money um, using um, quantitative um, models. Sorry, I'm going way into the jargon again here. But basically, quantitative models are where you are collecting data about a company and then using that to determine whether you should buy or sell the company. Um, and what was interesting about him specifically was that, I mean, and I've known him since 2005, I think, um, is that in 2010, he completely changed all of his models to be ESG models. I, he completely, he decided to throw out all of the financial statement models that he had and only focus on models, investment models that were based around sustainability of stocks. Um, so taking in data around carbon footprints, water footprints, you know, women in the workforce, all those kind of things, and building those models based around these sustainability criteria. So he was a natural partner, and as I say, I'd known him for a long time, and he's vegan as well. So, you know, so that was really a happy, um, you know, happy coincidence, as it, as it were. And we'd, um, uh, we started talking about this in 2016. I started sharing my ideas with him and then in early 2017 we started working together and create and created the the, the beyond uh, advisors which is the sort of holding company for beyond investing um in june 2017 and a couple of months later we were talking we'd started developing some portfolios and somebody that we know suggested we talk to another gentleman um who had been involved in ethical screening since the late 1980s with the first ethical research um, company, um, ethical stock research company in the UK. Uh, his name is Lee Coates. So the first guy was called, was called Larry Abel, and the second chap is Lee Coates. And, um, and he, again, is vegan, and uh, he had developed a specialism around these animal exploitation screens because he had been working with quite a number of animal rights and um, uh, vegan uh, charities in the UK, and so had developed their policy guidelines. So we started to work with him on the development of the index, and we created the first um, versions of the index, I suppose, late that year, early 2018, and then um, um, engaged Selective to start um, calculating the index real time. So it's been calculated since June 2018. And the whole basis of the index is to think about animal exploitation by humans and everything that humans are doing to damage the natural environment, which is obviously hurting wild animals. So those are the main screens. We've also got some human rights screens in, in there as, as well. Those overlap very nice, very much, though, with um, mining stocks, let's say, which are, are, are also very, very bad for the environment, too. So, um, you know, a lot of the stocks that we're, we're excluding for one reason could actually be excluded for another reason and another reason after that frankly um you know there seems to be quite a lot of you know co coalescence around a number of bad things within the company um and so um 
we created that portfolio, that, that, that index, by basically looking, uh, creating, putting together only the stocks that did not, that did pass our screens, i.e. everything else is an exclusion, so we just won't, you know, we're very binary about it. We won't say, we don't say, well, you know, this meat company is not as bad as the other one, or this company only does this, or, you know, um, only tests on this many animals, whereas this one tests on more. We're not looking for kind of the least worst. We're basically, you know, if it does anything in that area, then we are excluding it. That is brilliant. It's, uh, it's wonderful to have the, it's, it comes under the VEGN ETF, I yes, believe. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's wonderful to have that um, vegan optimized index there. Um, how can plant-based investors uh, re utilize this wonderful resource you've created? Well, yes, this is the thing. So if you're an investor, um, I mean, a lot of people talk about vegan investing from the perspective of only investing in plant-based companies. But that's not actually, uh, that's not how you should look at your, over, you know, everything you're doing in the investing sphere. Um, the the you know, the theory of investing is that you should be diversified. You shouldn't have all your money in, you know, a single a single equity or a single type of equity. You should be able to spread it around. Um, and the fact of the matter, as I said, is that the majority of the market is in liquid large cap stocks. So you have to find a way to be able to put that money to work in a way that is not harmful. And that's really where the BEGN, where that ETF came in, because um, your average person who has investments needs to have something which is approximating to the market for such reasons as their retirement plan. You cannot put your retirement plan into a bunch of vegan startups. That would be a very, very silly thing to do. Um, you can't put it into, you can't put, say, you know, say you need to... Uh, save for you know your kids to go to college if you want to pay for their tuition or something and they're 14 and they're going to go to college in five years you can't put your money into startups because you won't be able to get it out you know startups you know early stage companies of that type of that type you you put the money in and you really don't know when you're going to be able to get it out you have to hope you what you're doing is you're taking a bet on whether they will actually get taken over or whether they will be able to IPO or whether some other investor will be able, will, you'll be able to pass on your shares to another investor in a private transaction, but they are not trading on the exchange. So for the average person and for the vast majority of investors and everybody that has money in pensions or retirement plans or whatever, the vast majority of that money is actually going into the stock market because that's the only place it can go. There's not a sufficiently large volume of startups for everybody to go into startups. It's obviously a very, very small area. So there had to be something that, was, that would provide that alternative to people in order that they could invest humanely and ethically and, you know, in an environmentally friendly fashion. Now, that's not the only investment product that we're ever going to create, though. We, we are releasing a European version because we want to provide that alternative to European investors as well then we'll start work on Asia and then we'll have a fully, you know, full kind of coverage of all of the large cap stocks. We've already done work in small and mid cap stocks, focusing on those areas where um, there is the most animal exploitation. So we're focusing on consumer stocks, so food, materials, clothing, cosmetics, 
and also looking at um, agriculture and the food chain, but focusing on those products which are grown and then directly um, you know, consumed by humans, as opposed to the vast majority of agriculture is actually based around feed for animals. So we're obviously not going to invest in that. Um, and so we have another strategy, which is a global strategy, which is in this sort of small to mid cap space and is very much more a targeted and themed strategy around the vegan world, which you mentioned before, i.e. what are the stocks that, that, that people could or should be investing in um, that are particularly themed around this transition towards um, a vegan lifestyle and are creating the sustainable, cruelty-free, um, you know, ethically produced plant-based um, products. So, um, so that's another um, listed equity strategy. At the other end of the spectrum, you have got the startups. It's obviously important to invest in startups because if without investing in startups, you never get something like you know, the next Beyond Meat or Impossible. You, they have to start somewhere or even every big stock starts as a small stock. Um, and so, but you could only put a certain amount of money into that. You should only put a certain amount of money into that because it's unbelievably risky. These companies, I mean, I've had a few heart attacks with some of my companies over the, over the last few years, to be honest. There's one which is kind of coming back into production, having been out of production. They, they haven't produced any um, new products since uh, about March because they were very oriented towards the food service um, uh, in the US. And obviously, you know, restaurants closed. Um, and it was so it was very difficult for them to... Uh, to continue at um, at that time, they're now they you know they found another investor who is one of their co-manufacturers, and then now there's another group that wants to um, take them over to re-commercialize the product. But you know that could have been a write-off, and that's frankly actually that's not so unusual in the startup area. Um, so yeah, startups are very dangerous or very you know very risky. You shouldn't you shouldn't put too much money into startups um but uh, but they certainly do have a role to play and especially if you can go into startups and if they start to grow and you start to get the larger amounts of money in as i said as they grow and they need more capital to grow bigger and bigger and bigger then you have the opportunity then to be making a very big impact but you can't put all your money in startups and you certainly shouldn't you should only put a small amount in which leaves you thinking well what do i do with the rest so we have provided we're providing the solutions for the rest of the for a complete investment portfolio as opposed to just solely, solely focusing on the venture side which obviously is what some people are doing stop the podcast we would like to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our partners beyond animal beyond animal is a platform to accelerate the growth of a thriving vegan economy globally across industries providing digital tools online funding services and a multi-sector business directory Beyond Animal is the platform for vegan entrepreneurs and investors. Head on over to beyondanimal.com and sign up today. Now back to the podcast. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. It's certainly, it's, it's all starting to make a lot more sense to me, you know, which is, which is great. And uh, through doing our research for this interview, it seems to me that having the technical knowledge is you know, possibly the biggest thing holding people back from investing. People like us, if, uh, for example, you know, with resources like this available, can anybody, even me, get involved in trading stocks? 
Yes, um, I mean, I would I would say for the for, for the vast majority of people, you don't necessarily want to be involved in trading stocks. It is a bit of a full timing occupation, um, you know, to be monitoring the markets, you know, looking into researching stocks, etc. So funds do have a role to play in terms of providing people with a kind of packaged solution for their investment. Um, you know, and that's why we created the index, because an index is a benchmark. As I said, the, the S&P uh, S&P 500 is the benchmark for the entire market. We hope that our vegan climate index is a benchmark, can be a benchmark for vegan friendly and environmentally friendly investing. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and, and it's, it, it's providing this very easy kind of package solution for people that they can just sort of set and forget in, in a sense. Um, for the vegan world strategy, which is the small to mid cap, that's a little bit more of a growth style portfolio. You know, um, small to mid cap stocks are known for having kind of growth characteristics. In fact, they're almost like the only place where you can have growth because if you're a large cap company, there's a sort of limit as to how much larger you can you can go. Whereas the small to mid cap uh, style portfolio does have more growth characteristics, a little bit more risky, but um, um, you know. Um, I, I think that provides a, a, a nice solution, especially given that it's uh, it's it's global. Um, I do realise, though, that some people want to buy individual stocks, and and so we are working on a way to bring some of our to bring our our, our research to investors in a way that they can construct their own portfolios, um, and uh, and so you know, with our help, then they can you know decide if they if they want to own just a basket of stocks that they've selected and be able to, you know, to decide how risky they want it to be or decide if they want it to be more in one country versus another or more in growth stocks or, or, or less or um, oriented towards certain sectors. So we are looking into ways to bring that to investors so that they can buy their own stocks. And then if you want to, once you have this kind of list of stocks and the weightings, so, you know, weightings is basically how much you have in each stock. Um, once you have that list of stocks, you can, you know, go to a broker's and, uh, you know, a broker, you know, it's, it's so easy these days to set up an online brokerage account. You can do it. You can trade on your phone. Um, but I think the critical thing is that people want to know what they kind of should or shouldn't be invested in. They want to have somebody to have done that research, to, you know, to say, yes, OK, this sort of passes our screens. These are the environmental characteristics so that they can be sure that they are investing if they want to do it personally. They are investing in in stocks that they can feel happy about um, about owning. So that's that's a kind of a little bit of a watch this space. Um, that's something that we may bring to um, you know to investors um, in the future that want to create their own portfolios using using our research. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure on the Vegan FTA will be sure to post that sort of stuff yeah. up when it comes up so that then uh, everyone who is watching can get involved and, mm. um, yeah, start voting with your wallet. I'll <laughs> um, tell you what, actually, talking about that, I remember during my, my years in the, the dairy industry and the all, the all the farmers were really encouraged to purchase shares in the dairy company, which is, is these days Fonterra. But, you know, everybody, all the farmers, we were all encouraged to, yeah, to to purchase shares in them. Now it's really got me thinking back to that, seeing the importance of how we really need to be putting our, our money wherever we can into more ethical and, and more sustainable, um, you know, ventures. So I'd completely forgotten about that. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's so important that we do vote with our, our dollar, like Gareth said. So 
got my brain ticking one, now. Well, one, one, one very, very pertinent um, example of this is the fossil, fossil fuel divestment movement, which I think has had an impact on fossil fuel companies. If you, if you look at even since we've been running the index, which is only since 2018, so it's coming up for um, two years, um, no, two and a half years now, almost three years since we launched it. Wow, how time flies. Um, but when we first launched it, the energy stocks, so the oil and gas stocks in, in the S&P 500 were about five and a half percent. Um, and so, you know, we knew that we were taking that amount out. Um, of, of the index, you know, we keep, you know, we, 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 we were, you know, monitoring that and, 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 and look, looked at these uh, percentages. And then last year, I was looking at it, and it's 3.3. So versus the size of the entire market, energy stocks have fallen from 5.5% of the market to 3.3% of the market. And obviously, I mean, the oil price has been weak but the oil price was weak before the oil price has been weak since about 2015 2016 when we saw the oil price crash it hasn't really you know gone up or down so much since uh, since then apart from last year last year it was weak certainly but a lot of that i think has been people's realization that they cannot be growth companies because we cannot afford to be pumping more oil out of the ground and, and be and be um, producing so they are definitely x growth we are past peak oil. They can only decline unless they manage to find some other some other business go, to go into. Um, and so the size of that industry shrinks. And I, I, you know, I'll put my hand up and say, I'd really like to see that happen in animal ag. Even in some of the meat stocks, you know, versus where they were in 2019 into 2020, they've halved in price. What does that mean for those companies, and especially against a backdrop where the market maybe has been has been rallying? So relatively, they're looking particularly bad. What does that mean for those companies? It means that it's much harder for them to get any investment, new investment from investors. Let's say that those companies ran into financial difficulties, and we actually saw a couple of dairy companies go bust last year, did we not? Big dairy companies in the U.S., Let's say those companies run into financial difficulties. Investors look at those companies and say, well, your share price halved in the last year. Why should we put more money into your, into your business if you're not going to make money for us in future? And without capital, if a company runs into financial difficulties without an access to capital, it will go bankrupt. It will not be able to do what it's doing anymore. Maybe somebody else will take on some of the assets. Maybe they'll continue in a smaller way. But, you know, in a lot of these cases, it will simply go bankrupt and that activity will not continue. Um, and, and so the, the force of, you know, the market is supply and demand. You call, the, basically the stock price is like an equilibrium. The stock price, current stock price at any point in time is the price where buyers and sellers are, matched okay if somebody owns the s&p 500 in an index tracker fund and they say okay i've heard about this new index fund product for vegans vegan maybe i'll go into that what are they doing if they sell their s&p 500 tracker fund and then buy vegan net net they're selling all of the stocks that we exclude because what is vegan it's the S&P 500 minus those stocks 
And because we have to buy, you know, because it's a, an index fund and it has to be 100% invested, it's overweight all of the things that we keep, okay? So everything that we keep, they're buying a little bit more of, and everything that we exclude, they're selling. What does that mean? The ones that we own a little bit more of are likely to go up in price, and the ones that we exclude go down in price. And that's what leads to things like the oil stocks going down from being 5.5% of the market to 3.3% of the market is because net-net more investors have sold them than have bought them. Yeah? Than have bought other stocks, let's say. That money is flowed away from the oil price, oil stocks, and into other, other types of stocks. And so that kind of shifting of assets away from the standard market benchmarks into ethical benchmarks creates price movement and ultimately forces the prices of those stocks, the exclusions. If everybody who, if everybody who, there's about 10 trillion in the S&P 500. Okay, 10 trillion is benchmarked the S&P 500, which means that it is very close. It's, the, those portfolios will be very, very close to the S&P 500. If even a small amount of that was to come out of the S&P 500 and go into BGN, it would cause massive selling pressure on the prices of those stocks and make it quite difficult for those stocks to continue in business. So, power in your, in your pocketbook, yeah. That, power that, in your pension yeah absolutely that's wonderful just, i'm loving the sound of yeah it's yeah. just <laughs> filling me with hope and joy and yeah. especially the idea yeah. of some of those crumbling Such from an it exciting time and something so exciting to be part of yeah i want to see these companies drop out the s p 500 because the only reason they're being held by a lot of these passive index funds is because they're in the s p 500 if you have a mandate, if, you, if you're a passive manager, if you're running an index fund, so there's you know, very, very large companies like State Street, which is part, part of S&P or a BlackRock or whatever, there's some very, very large asset managers out there and they take these mandates and the mandate basically says, you have to own all the stocks in the index. This is an index mandate. As long as this index continues and S&P you know, global tell you what should be in this, in, in, what's in this index, and they create the rules, you will own those stocks. You have no choice. But when a stock goes out of the S&P 500, there's a massive amount of money that is run to these passive indexes. And when a stock runs out, it comes out of the S&P 500, they almost always fall quite a long way once they come out. Because suddenly a huge volume of capital doesn't need to own them anymore. And so they just get systematically sold. So I would like to see some of the, you know, meat stocks and some other kind of nastier stocks fall lower and lower down in the S&P 500 and ultimately they'll get kicked out, which is what happened to a lot of the oil stocks actually in the late, you know, 2016, 2017 area. If you look at the, the proportion of companies that were actually kicked out of the S&P 500, a large number of them were, were oil stocks. And so I think we could see this happen in the animal agriculture area as well, in, in the smaller stocks that are towards the lower end of the S&P 500 and other major indexes. If we have more people thinking in this, in this way, and once they get kicked out of the index, then they fall a long way because the the the... the the audience, their audience of investors suddenly shrinks. 
We love doing these interviews and this activist series because we get to learn about different forms of advocacy and different ways to be effective mm. for our movement. And I must say, like, until doing the research for this, you know, I hadn't really thought about the, how uh, the financial sector can be such a powerful leverage um, mm. within animal agriculture and stuff like that. And it makes so much sense now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like you've, you're putting it there on the plate for us to, to really create change with with that dollar and it's, it's fantastic absolutely loving it um but alongside beyond investing you also have a fantastic platform called beyond animal which we are proud to be partners with here at vegan fta this is a platform that we believe more and more people need to be utilizing because it is wonderful but for our viewers could you give a brief overview of what beyond 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 animal is <laughs> Yes, well, well, Beyond Animal really kind of encapsulates everything about about um, you know the 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 shift away from from animal exploitation. We we believe the world should go beyond animal exploit exploitation, but that's a bit long. So Beyond Animal, um, and it's 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 about seeing beyond the use of animals and seeing how much better the world could be. As, as a result. So that's really the ethos and the mission of the platform is to kind of do whatever makes the most sense, let's say, in order to get us to shift us to, to, to that world. So it has kind of a very broad mandate in a sense, but because we have to focus on something, um, you know, we want to focus on the things that we think are going to make the most difference in the short, short term, in the shortest possible period. Um, we've basically kind of narrowed it down in terms of our focus to um, uh, the um, area of investment. So to enabling um, the, uh, you know, other people, enabling as many people as possible to find interesting startups and scale ups that they want to in invest in. Um, as I said, we may be bringing on the, um, you know, some of this research around around investing in the in the broader market in order that people can construct their own portfolios. And then allied to that is this whole networking aspect of it because companies in this space, if they're growing, they don't just need money, they need uh, staff. So we have a jobs board so that they can put their, um, their, their posts up there, um, you know, looking for members of staff um, and, you know, and find people that are already kind of aligned to their to their ethos and the you know and the culture of their of their company and the purpose of their company, um, what what other things do 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 companies need? They need business support. Um, they need information. So we have a resource platform. We have the knowledge library. We have the business directory, so that businesses can find other businesses. So that somebody who's not a business owner can find businesses maybe in their area, or they can look for certain products. But the uh, the businesses can also find businesses that they want to to do business with, they want to have as business partners. Um, and what we really want to, to, to avoid is kind of leakage. So let's say that a company is a vegan company. It makes sense to us that they should want to have a vegan web designer, vegan accountant, vegan lawyer, you know, vegan bank or whatever, that they should want to, to basically be, to the extent that they are paying somebody else for business services, you know, consultants or, you know, let's say they're doing food science or such like, to the extent that they are paying money to other businesses, wouldn't it be great if the people running, the people within those businesses and running those businesses were also um, vegan businesses that were also, you know, had that same kind of mindset? Because 
if we were all collaborating together and all, you know, trading with each other in that sense, in that way, then we would be reducing the amount of money that's going into the economy, which is using animals. So here's an, here's an anecdote, which kind of <laughs> demonstrates what I'm saying. I actually sold my house last year. I had a, a house um, in Geneva where I was living and I didn't really need to have this house anymore. It was too big for what was one person because my daughter was at college and was not going to come back to, to, to live. And I unfortunately had lost my dog, so I didn't need to have a garden anymore. Um, and, uh, and so I sold my house. So I put it on the market. And one of the first people that came into my house that was looking to look at my house and say what she thought it was worth was wearing a fur gilet. And I didn't really care what she had to say. I really didn't want her in my house at all. I would say I almost kicked her out, but I was like, mm, you know, I'll hear what you have to say, but get out kind of thing. And I wasn't going to give her my house to sell because she would have made tens of thousands of dollars of commission. And I knew where that commission was going to be spent. You know, and that was a very pointed example of how you know, your own personal spending or you, who you choose to sort of do business with can cause other, you know, more animals to be exploited. So I did actually like post on Facebook, anybody know a vegan estate agent? You know, <laughs> nobody did. But, um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was something that, uh, I still didn't give it to the person of the fur gilet and find somebody else. But the you know it's it, it's it's really in terms of the platform that's one one area is that to the extent that people have been you know that these businesses are creating vegan products or they're vegan inspired in some other way let's say i mean for example one of the companies on the platform is like a vegan recruitment firm or there's vegan branding firms or you know all of these types of service um providers um you know, it, I think it'd be great if vegan companies were able to find find people like that and know that the money that they were spending on those services was was still going to be kept within this kind of vegan economy. Um, so that's really, um, you know, another another angle to to the platform is enabling this networking between vegans and vegan companies so that the money stays within, you know, st it, it stays within a kind of you know vegan sort of ring fence, as it were, and is not in you know there isn't this sort of leakage uh, into the economy which is supporting animals some reason why i have a bit of a dilemma with like big companies putting out vegan products or you know or let's say you have a vegan supermarket where everything's vegan and then you could have the supermarket the main supermarket where they're bringing you more vegan products do you go to the main supermarket just to prove to them that there's a demand for vegan products so they put more in or do you support the vegan supermarket you know it's a it's a tough one that you know you want to do what you think is going to create the most change. Um, so if the vegan product becomes more mainstream, but I think that you know in certain in a lot of areas like service providers, you know, you know consultants, whatever that a vegan business, um, they can find a you know a smaller business which is wholly vegan and, and give them you know a boost in terms of um, you know getting uh, giving them more clients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. 
I, mean, I come across people all the time, literally all the time, who say that they, you know, I'm in this job, I'm in this field, but, you know, I really, this is not me. I don't feel good about where I'm working. I don't like coming to work every day knowing that I'm supporting, you know, this industry or, my, you know, it's just not, not who I am, um, you know. I, I want to be working somewhere that is more in line with, with who I am and my beliefs. So Beyond Animal is a place to go. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've been using the platform for a while now. I love the platform. There's just so much going on. You know, you mentioned networking. Um, you have monthly networking events. Gareth and I have been to these. And for us, it's early morning. What a way to start the day. You know, it's just so much fun. It's like speed networking. I mean, so many amazing people doing exciting things. It gets you really you know, excited for what's going on in the movement. We've made some great contacts and, and learned about, you know, really exciting new ventures. So I can really recommend joining it from, but from our use of the platform as well. And we've heard other people describe Beyond Animal this way as well. I guess we kind of liken it to a cross between LinkedIn and Facebook. So you've got the professionality of it. You can make those connections, but, you know, in the way that it's just so easy to use and navigate your way and just make connections. And it provides a really user-friendly platform with those professional aspects. Are there any restrictions? I mean, you've accepted us, which is really nice of you. What have you done? <laughs> yeah. Are there any restrictions apart from us as to who can sign up and, and use this tool? Or are there any types of businesses or organizations which are more suited to it? Well, yes, um, we, we don't make everybody sign a pledge before they sign up. You know, you can you, you, you can sign up, create as a person, you can sign up, create a profile. And we trust that anybody who comes to the platform has, you know, is, 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 is there because they're interested, even if not, they're not 100% vegan at that point in time, they're interested to know, to know more um, and, uh, you know, and, and, to, and to participate. What we do have a, a, a strict rule against is um, any promotion of the use of animals. So if we have a, what we have a rule against is the content. So somebody could not, you know, promote um, a non-vegan product or promote the use of animals. So that's the thing that we would, you know, would cause um, that content to be taken down. And if somebody, you know, was persistently doing that, then they really wouldn't be welcome on the platform because the ethos of the platform is to move away from the use of animals, not to continue the use of animals or, or you know allow it to 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 expand so individual products which are using animals would not be present on the platform would not be promoted on on the platform and any content which is kind of supportive of continued use of animals would not be welcome on the platform um so yeah that's it. And oh, the other thing is, in terms of the fundraising, our, our, the service which we, you know, which is our sort of primary business model for the platform is the bringing together of investors with companies producing the products or providing services which are moving us towards this, this vegan world. So it, it would not make any sense for us to be introducing a company to investors if they had any animal product within their um within their um you know range of, of of products let's say we would not yeah we would we would not want to be part of that of that transaction as it were so that is a you know another kind of strict one is on our fundraise registration there's a thing that says please note we we would not ex we, we we do not welcome or would we we would not be interested to support fundraising from companies who are using animals so 
That's great, is and um, we'll have the um, the links for everybody if you want to get and create your own Beyond Animal account, um, either after watching this or even during it in a, in a separate tab. But yeah, um, I really encourage everyone to get on the platform and at least just go and check it out. There may well be opportunities for you or somebody that you know. Yeah, um, amazing what and who is out there. <laughs> yeah, it, it blew us away. We got connected with so fast. Um, but Beyond Animal uh, recently co-hosted the world's first new food invest virtual conference, um, like we mentioned earlier, which was co-hosted by uh, ProVeg International. This event brought together a number of high-level investors with unique startups from across the world. Would you like to share with our audience more about this event and what it means to have conferences like this taking place in the plant-based sector? Yes, certainly. Um, this was the first um, conference that was oriented towards investment in, in, in this area. Um, that's, there's other ways private Prior to this, there have been kind of trade shows and, and conferences that were much more about bringing, um, you know, the food industry together or, or, or the materials industry together, um, you know, around technology or such like. But this was the first one that was really geared entirely towards investment. And the program was um, was built by, by uh, ourselves, myself and, and, uh, um, and ProVeg, um, you know, uh, between us um, and conceptualized around what what would it, what do investors really want to find out about investing in in this area and it and it took a, a, a the the approach that investors want to um you know see interviews with some of the leading entrepreneurs in this area so we had Seth Goldman who was who's the chairman of the board of Beyond Meat we had Miyoko Shinner um we had Josh Chetrick from Just um we we had uh, Heather Mills from Bee Bites in the UK, established entrepreneur for, uh, in the vegan space for like 20 years. Meatless Farm, which is a new plant-based meat competitor to uh, based in the UK. Um, and uh, we had some Asian uh, companies as, as, as well in, um, in plant-based uh, plant meat and dairy. Um, oh, we had Fable Foods, which you may, may well know. It's an Australian company, I believe. Um, and um, and so we had those. Then we had some sessions with like the top investors. So they were speaking about you know how and why they invest in this in this area, how that fits into their investment thesis. Um, you know, a lot of them were kind of sustainability oriented or food system oriented. They were talking about the the issues in the food system, the vulnerabilities that were caused by meat, etc. Um, and and why they they felt that there was such a good opportunity in this space. And then we had a startup panel that was oriented towards each of the major regions, so Asia, Europe, the Americas, um, and, um, and brought 18 startups, you know, to, to pitch. Um, and because we're an investment um, platform, in addition to actually just having the conference, having the startups pitch, and then, you know, a lot of conference might just say, oh, well, get in touch with them after the event or something, you, you know, go to what are called demo days that incubators and accelerators run. Um, what we had the flexibility to do was to then introduce those startups into our investment platform where investors can then download all the materials, get into discussions with those startups and make a commitment if they, if they want to. Um, so, you know, we gave that kind of call to action as, as well, provided networking um, as, as well for people to, to interact with, with each other. 
um, you know, face to face through the speed networking that you experienced before, and also through the comments and connecting within the platform. Um, um, you know, you know, creating their own sort of network um, in the same way as one does on LinkedIn. You can create a network within the Beyond Animal um, platform. Um, and so that was that was what the event was was uh, was was about. And uh, you know, we got a really good um, you know really good response to it. We had some fabulous people speak. We had some expert speakers as well that were talking about market trends, uh, about sustainability, about technological disruption, about climate aspects, um, about the regulatory aspects, which are very important, obviously, to investors. There's no point investing in a company if you don't know if they're going to be allowed to sell their product. So the re food regulation is super, super important in this area, especially where you're talking about novel foods, so for the foods which are being created using, you know, um, a, a new technology. So um, all of the things that we felt were, were going to be of interest and, and, and were important to investors in order that they felt more comfortable to make investment decisions and to feel that they wanted to put their money into this area. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of did it with a bang, you know, because not everybody even for their first conference decides to create 15 hours of programming. Um, but that's what we did. Um, and going on in the next uh, months, we're already putting into the diary the next events, uh, some partner events, somewhere we'll be uh, focusing on, as I say, an entrepreneur or a leading founder, or we'll be talking about an investment topic. But we want to be doing, you know, a series of events every month, um, you know, for the months to come, um, creating this schedule so that people will continue to have reasons to come back to, um, you know, view um, events and also within the events within the platform they'll have the opportunity to network so it'll become a focal point for people to keep coming back to the platform and find new connections and talk about the you know the things that they've heard on the platform that's brilliant i mean yeah it's it was a massive massive event and such an enormous achievement just to, to bring it all together like you say it was it was just huge um another first you've been you know the the driving force and in, in the brain behind creating so many firsts and we're just blown away by all of these brilliant projects that you're involved in and, and the impact that you're creating thank you so much for everything that you're doing thank for you. the movement and have done for all these years um you know we've got beyond investing we've got beyond animal what what is your vision for the future you know what is the next beyond is that you're working towards really what what's classmas vision after all these years of working towards it well well i mean the, the kind of you know grand scheme things in 2016 i was at a i was at an event where people were talking they were kind of like think big what's your you know what would be your 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 dream in terms of what you what you might want to create or whatever and i basically said i want to create the first global i want to create a global vegan brand and um I, you know, I, I can see that this, you know, that this, my brand, the branding and the, and the, the, the concept and the, the vision could be ported onto a lot of, a lot of other things. I focused on investing because obviously that's, that's been my career. And I see that as a really good way to kind of leverage everything that I'm doing rather than just sort of, you know, create some, an operating business and be constrained by the amount of product that it can create. If I can cause money to go into this business and this business and this business and this business, I'm, I'm increasing the amount of impact 
that I can make. And especially if I can not just put my own money, but I can say to other people, hey, you need to put money into that business as well. That's leveraging it even further. So that the investment side is, is crucial. But then outside of, uh, yeah, outside of that, um, you know, I would, yeah, I, I have many other websites with the word beyond in. So if anybody would like to come under the umbrella and develop their own business concept within, within our kind of, you know, um, I, I don't know, I suppose little network of businesses, um, that's what I would, would like to do would be to develop the beyond business network further. Um, and use some of the other websites which I I hoovered up a few years ago, um, and uh, and um, you know and 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 then be known for vegan and sustainable, bringing vegan and sustainable um, products uh, to to market. Um, so anybody that's got some ideas, come and you know get in contact with me. I probably do have a website that will suit. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, hopefully, if enough uh, businesses come underneath the umbrella, we can get to a stage where we have Beyond Earth, you know, have the whole, yeah. whole picture. <laughs> Definitely. Exactly. But thank you so much for this interview. It's been so fantastic to learn from you oh, about this. So much. Yeah. I, I've got to say, I never thought I'd be so excited and joyous about um investing and finance and stuff like that but you really have just yeah opened up a whole new world now <laughs> i feel like yeah. i'm glowing i'm not sure if it's just the lighting today or whether it is that i'm just you know it's been so wonderful to talk to you about this and um yeah i look forward it's to everyone getting on to um beyond animal and checking out some of the other websites and the platforms that you've created because it is a monumental force uh, for our movement Absolutely. and yeah we can really create a, a difference thanks to you so um, thank you so much. And thank you too. No, but thanks to you as well and for your great work. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to this interview. We hope you found it informative and entertaining. To learn more about Claire's work, check out beyondanimal.com. Once again, be sure to follow us on our social media pages for future episodes. And if you're enjoying our content, please leave a review on your chosen podcast platform. This has been Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals.